Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined as always by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast on the last podcast. I said your go-to Big Ten podcast. I didn't say football. I noticed that. I didn't. Blue. I didn't I, stop you. What the heck? Well, it is a Big Ten podcast. I know. Well, so that's it's, true. It's not incorrect. But after the hundreds of times I do that, why why did I choose that last podcast and not Don't say know. it? Why, do, why does anybody do anything? So, the, <laughs> But that's not just germane to me and my speaking patterns, is it? Like, we all sometimes of put course. the milk in the cupboard and the yeah. cereal box in the fridge every now yeah. and then, right? You just you just go brain dead. By the way, that's that's one of my favorite lines from the movie Joker. One of the lines is, why does anybody do anything? Yeah, that's good. It's a good one. I mean, if you really get deep, it's a good question. It is a good question. <laughs> you, want to, you know what's another good question? Could the SEC and ESPN get into bed with each other any more than they are? Wait, they, they, there's no bias. That's false. It's kind you of like, know that. It's kind of like on the last pod when you're like, what you're saying is that people enjoy watching college football. Yeah. I'm picking up your facetiousness is what I'm saying. Um, but there's actually people that say that and defend it. They do. They they honestly, I mean, again, that is just another study in the condition that is human beings is that because there are SEC fans that understand that there is a bias and connection yeah. between. It's not like every SEC fan is is oblivious to it. And it's if you're an SEC fan and you like it and embrace it, I don't blame you. hundred percent. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Because if I was an SEC fan... I would 100% yeah. embrace it and probably use it to stick my thumb up against Big Ten fans yeah. and other people. But then there's people like your best buddy there that has that podcast, Braden. <laughs> yeah. 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 He just he's, thinks it doesn't exist. doesn't exist. It's not real. It's just made up. Fake news. Um, so SEC started 0-4 with a cancellation. They they just won a game here. Uh, North Carolina, woof. Their defense is just awful. That's not a good South Carolina offense, by the way. They just ran right through North Carolina. So they have moved to 1-4. Anyways, it's been fun on Twitter. I, I've took... as. I don't think I didn't think the SEC was going to wind up winless in the Bulls. So while they're zero four, I just decided to have some fun while it was there. Sure. Once I put the kids to bed, dude, I got nothing else to do. You know. Um, but did you see the tweet that I put out with with that graphic? Oh yeah, with I did. This, yeah, this I, one right here. Oh that one. Oh that one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I saw, yeah. So I'm going to try I mean, to do I was, my I was best watching too. the game. Did I, you see it come up? Oh sure. Did I, you see it? Okay. Yeah, I thought it was unusual that they had. The Big Ten. And what, what Kurt and I are getting at is they, they have the Bull Challenge Cup where they list out all the different conferences and their records. Okay, so at the top, which makes sense is at the time, is the American because they were 3-0. and That makes sense, right? Makes sense. The next one up was the Mountain West, which, by the way, is pretty impressive. They're 5-1 and one <laughs> in Bulls. The next one down is the Sun Belt at three one one. So obviously we're early in the in the in the Bowl Challenge Cup because you know the Big Ten, the SEC just started playing games. So they follow down the same you know type of thought process, which is the standings you would get in a baseball season or an NBA season. You no, know, but it's not losses. exactly. It's not exactly. They're going by win percentage, I think. Okay, that's fine. Okay. Win percentage. Let's let's use win percentage. That's that's great. Uh, how exactly, sir, would you have the SEC at seventh, at zero and four, in front of the Pac-12 and the ACC at zero and one? How does that work out? Don't you have a a worse percentage at four losses to one Where, if you haven't won well, a game? It's not a worse percentage, but it's just. But they have no it. Way they you... have it. They have it specifically that the SEC is seventh. Yeah. And the Pac-12 is eighth. Tied with the ACC when I mean, they're both 0-1, even did. though the SEC was 0-4 at this time. But they did that on purpose. And then, by the way, just to just to add, just, just to have more fun with it, because at this point you have to think that at least the person that does the graphic is just having fun. Of course, on the job, I think so. They specifically put the Big Ten tenth in last place at zero and zero. <laughs> we got we got to lose a few more games here to catch up to the SEC. <laughs> I mean, how so, crazy! How crazy is that? It's unreal. How crazy is that? By the way, that tweet was huge. That thing's like two hundred and fifty thousand impressions on that thing. So there was a lot of people wow. that enjoyed it because they were that pissed at it. And then the other thing I want to point out too, 
the commentary, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, but especially, and this is, so this isn't even a Big Ten team, okay? During the Auburn-Houston game, which, by the way, Houston won. They beat Auburn. Yeah. You would have thought it was miraculous every time a Houston defender brought down Auburn's running back, who's a good running back. Don't get me wrong. But do you know what I'm saying? Like, those commentators were just amazed, amazed that that, that, that lowly Houston team could, could even stay on the field with almighty Auburn. I mean, I guess it's not as much as egregious as the way they talked about Auburn versus Minnesota. I thought it was almost the same. Well, but Minnesota's a power five team. Right. Houston's a group of five team. It's a great point. Uh, And lastly, the big 10 started out two and oh, you know, we'll do the recap obviously, but Hey man, Gophers look good. They should have won by more. Uh, well, obviously, well, that's, guess, that's kind of the go for state, is. isn't it? That is their deal. Yeah. That is their deal. And Maryland, boy, locks. He he had some time to prepare, and he drew up some good ones, buddy. He sure did. <laughs> that was pretty drew good. Drew up a punt so. return. <laughs> How about that? Pretty- they looked explosive, man. And I thought, honestly, they looked – both teams, to me, looked good up front. Both sides of the ball, you mean? Yeah, uh, both Maryland and Minnesota O&D oh, oh, lines okay. yes. looked, looked oh, good. Yeah, I would say well, they won the trenches, both teams. Very much so. Okay. Um, and as we record this, just to try to give you a tom- time stamp here, it is, is it Thursday? I can't. It's Thursday. It, it is Thursday. Right? Okay. It is the eve of New Year's Eve. Uh, Tennessee is up seven to nothing on Purdue right now, just to give you guys an idea of where we're at. Um, so this will be the second bowl podcast we're going to do. We did the first five games in the first pod. We're going to do the second ga- uh, five games in this podcast. So we've got uh, all these games that we'll be talking about will be on Friday the 31st, better known as New Year's Eve, and Saturday the 1st, which is better known as New Year's Day. We will have a Big Ten game of the week. You probably, you savvy Big Ten, eyes on big listeners, you probably know which one we're going to have as the Big Ten game of the week. We're going to save that one for last. But chronologically, besides that, first game up on Friday, December 29th, the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville, Florida. The 10-3, number 17 ranked Wake Forest Demon Deacons out of the ACC versus the 5-7 Rutgers Scarlet Knights. This is a 10 o'clock a.m. game on ESPN. Line Demon Deacons by 14 and a hook over under 62. So Vegas is saying something like a 38 to 24 Demon Deacons victory. 72% of the money is on the Deeks. Mm, mercy. Okay. Yeah. So what do you know about Wake here? Well, you know, really good team there in the so ACC final. Just a, you know, I think people know this, but Rutgers is in this game because Texas A&M. Texas A&M. Right, dropped out. So um, just to set it up, like, as a Rutgers fan, maybe we should ask Chop or a couple other people, but I would hope you could just take the stress away from it. You didn't even know you were playing in a bowl game right. 10 days ago. Um, you, this is a really strong Wake Forest team. I would think you would just take the just take the pressure out of the game. If they win the game, wow, what a bonus. If you lose... Yeah, I guess what you just don't want is to get blown out. I would say, okay, that's yeah. fair. That's fair. Okay, on to the Demon Deacons. Yeah, the Deeks. So let's look at the Deeks. Great season, right? So they're 10-3. and three, But here's the thing. They've dropped three of their last yep. five games. Yep. So the, and now, you know, mostly good teams. UNC, okay. Clemson ended up having a pretty good year. And then Pitt, of course. No opt-outs here that I could tell. Unless you – have you heard of one last Couldn't day? Couldn't find or any. So? Couldn't, Couldn't find, find any, any either. So – They've they've had the championship game. They played recently. They've had a lot more practices. That's going to be a huge advantage here. Now, maybe not quite as fresh, but they've had a couple weeks off yeah. here. Um, so quarterback Sam Hartman, he's the heart and soul of this team. Almost 4,000 yards passing, 60% completion, 36 to 14 ratio. Can kill you with his legs, too. 342 yeah. yards rushing. They don't have a bell cow running back because Kenny Walker Jr. Uh, uh, transferred out, yep. but three running backs over 400 yards here. Yep. So the number of guys can hurt you. Two 1,000-yard receivers on this team. So it's like uh, you start breaking down the stats for some of these bowl opponents. There's a stark difference between a lot of these bowl opponents yeah. and the Big Ten teams. The Big Ten was very much dominated by defensive play. Um, but yeah, the heart and soul, Sam Hartman, like you talked about, was shocked to see how many total touchdowns this guy has at 36 passing and 11 
on the ground. And if my math is correct, 47 total touchdowns. Suppressed. That's video game type of stuff. That's very good. Total offense is what you thought it would be. 10th, 469 yards a game. Defense, not so great. No. 98th. Uh, basically, anytime they went up against an offense with a pulse, they got ran through. The question with Rutgers is, yeah. does Rutgers offense have a pulse? Right. Does it have a pulse? We know the claw fence. The Wake offense has a pulse. Their defense, not so much of a pulse, as you pointed out here. So how do you hurt them defensively is running the ball. So, I mean, yeah, Rutgers has not done much on e- no. either aspect like, so far this year. These teams are kind of opposite in that, obviously, Wake Forest is strong offense, poor defense. Um, it's fair to say Rutgers has a good defense and a bad offense, but their defense isn't exactly good. It's it's pretty good. And it well it tailed off at the end of yeah. the year, but then they do have like I said they're they're rested now. So maybe that was part of the problem I was wondering because they just kept seemed like they kept getting worse and worse every week at the end of the year there. Yeah. So maybe they bounce back. No opt-outs that I could find for Rutgers, which no. is by the way remarkable. It's just Shiano- another example of Shiano's roster management and just the overall team culture. You know, you see Big Game Boomer put his tweets out once a month on ranking team cultures. I don't know how he would know that. I think it's hilarious. Dude. It's funny. I love what he does. Absolutely. It just pisses people off. And, and like, I think it's funny. And I'll, I say that after he anointed me the most, was it annoying, yeah. annoying, right. annoying yes, fan. That's I right. Think. You were the most annoying. Most annoying. I forgot about <laughs> Which I thought was, I loved it. I laughed when I read it. I think it's hilarious. I think it's hilarious how pissed, pissed off people get. He's, he's just know? having fun. Dude, he's just, and, yeah. Well, I think he's having fun pissing people off yes i don't think there's any doubt no. about that um you know i just i i think the challenges with Rutgers' offense is challenges that are still going to be there and it's it's coming from quarterback play um the offensive line the offensive line too yeah. looked better yeah. at times yeah. i think maybe they can get bo melton going i don't know but like maybe they can rotate any one of their six or seven quarterbacks and see who has the hot hand that day but with that being said the only way that I can see this really working in Rutgers uh, favor is if this kind of trend with how big 10 teams have looked in these bowls yeah. where Rutgers just looks better up front and then they muddy sure. it up. And then like, if Rutgers is going to win the game, you, you, we got a, a total of 62. If Rutgers wins this game, it's way oh, yeah. under the 62. Is no that doubt. fair to say? Absolutely. I just don't think that's how it's going to go down. I, I think this is no. going to be a situation where, and, and just, you know, again, shout out to Shiano. Yes. Shout out to the team. Like, there's some teams that could do a team vote and say, I don't want to play. Of course. I, I think, you know, like, um, but I would think for the most part, you can take a free, free trip down to Jacksonville, well, and, which, by the way, they had a hard time chartering a flight. I don't know did if they? you saw that. Yeah. No, I did not see that. But also, you know, okay, maybe the team votes to play, but then there's a number of seniors that say, yeah, but look, I'm not going to play. I haven't been practicing. I'm just going to move on with my life or prep for the draft or whatever. He's got everybody. It seems like everybody's there. It sounds like it. Yeah, they want to play. They want to get another win. So that that's encouraging. Yeah, very much I just think it. there's too much stacked against yeah. Rutgers in yeah. this game. I don't think it's going to be that close. Um, I do like one thing in this game. I do like the under here. Okay. Um, I'm going Wake Forest 42 Rucker 17. Are you serious? That's your... Yep. I'm going Wake so, Forest. By the way, 59, that's the under. Okay. I'm going Wake Forest 40, Rutgers 17. No kidding. We're two points Ooh. off. I thought about making that my Amador double barrel. That was my... Actually, that, that, that was, was just my mouth. That we was could, good. We can actually do that. <laughs> I was thinking about making that my lock of the week. At 57, I do like the under as well, but the stronger play here to me is Wake Forest. I, I see a very fired up, we want to prove that we belong to be their effort from Rutgers to start, but just not enough offense to take advantage of that early game emotion. No. And then Wake Forest just kind of runs away with it, but not enough to go over the the points. I think we kind of see the same game. Yep. All right, next game up, we are moving into the year 2022. This will be on Saturday, January 1st, the Outback Bowl. We have 7-5 and five Penn State versus the 8-4 and four, number 21-ranked Arkansas Razorbacks out of the SEC. This is a 10 o'clock a.m. game 
on ESPN line, Arkansas by two and a half. That kind of popped up just in the last 24 hours, over under 46. So Vegas is saying something like a 24 to 22 win. 71% of the bets are on the Hogs. Um, first thing to point out here. This is the opt-out bowl for Penn this State. This is the opt-out bowl for Penn State. So I don't even know if I'll get them all done. Um, yeah. I was, I thought I had not seen Jahan Dotson. I thought no, I was going to get a chance. Right. Huh? He, he's opted out. I know. I I didn't see it. I saw oh, okay. all the defenders. Yep. So I was getting excited that I was going to get to watch Jahan Dotson play gotcha. one more time. But he, from what I can tell, he's the only offensive guy. It's of the only note. offensive one I saw. Okay. The bad part is here are the opt-outs on defense. First of all, defensive coordinator Brett Pry. Hasn't opted out, but he has mm-hmm. transferred to be Vatex full-time head coach. And then their top two tacklers, linebacker Brandon Smith and Ellis Brooks. If that's not bad enough, probably their best player on defense, Jaquan Brisker. Yeah, is that fair? I think so. And then right up there, Arnold E. Bikini, also gone. I, I If you had to pick four guys that you didn't want to be out, I'm not so sure if Penn State fans wouldn't rank them one, two, three, and four. Okay, and, on and defense. On defense, but then offensively, obviously the one, probably the one you don't want out is Dotson, and also because of who they are offensively, they're a passing offense. They don't run the ball very well. You need Dotson there, and then for for Arkansas's defense, they have a pretty good pass defense. They yeah. don't have a very good run defense, but right. you don't expect them to do that. So I, I can't see this being worse for Penn State. It is. It just everywhere I looked seemed to be a bad turn of events for Penn State yeah. and how this matches up. So not them. only do you have the new guys that are subbing in on defense, but you got a new coach trying to coach him too. Yeah. Everything's new. It just doesn't this- seem. So here, what I have written down here is this. Um, Penn State fans, I, I don't want to say like Rutgers. This is a different situation, but essentially you have to go into this bowl with lower expectations. No doubt. And then, as best you can, you you have to make lemonade out of lemons, which is this is your first look at the 2022 Penn State Nittany Lions. Pretty much. You get to see younger receivers step up. I mean, Parker Washington is a seasoned vet. He is going to take a big jump up. I would would love if I could – I got a couple other wide receivers I want to ask this question to as well in the Big Ten. But I'd love to ask Parker Washington – he might be stoked. He might be that that you know he's getting some of the the pressure and the eyeballs put on him. Not saying he doesn't want to play with Jahan Dotson. That's not what I'm trying to say here. Just it younger guys want to play the sport of football. He's going to be the guy too. So you know they they've got talented tight ends. Maybe yeah. they work into their offensive coordinator still there. Their quarterback Sean Clifford still there. There's a lot of fun things to look for. And then on defensively, kind of the same thing. I understand that you lose your best safety and two linebackers. It's going to hurt. But Penn State's got talent in their secondary and linebackers, especially to to step up. It just gets a chance. And then the other side of it, too, is these guys have opted out for weeks. So these other guys have had a chance to, to practice a lot in the bull prep. Again, those are reps with the number one team that they wouldn't have gotten. So if your choice as a Penn State fan is to play in this bowl or not for your team, you definitely take the game because this is in-game experience for the younger guys yeah. next year. Have I expanded upon that enough? I probably I, I think you did. And we should also point out for Arkansas, they have a pretty big opt-out as well. Wide receiver Traylon Burks, 66 catches and 1,104 yards, 11 touchdowns on the season. That's enormous. He's not playing. Their, their next wide okay, receiver right, okay. has 305 yards on the year. It, it, is, it is as big of a loss on an offense as I would say – Another game we're getting into with who Pitt lost on their offense. Like it, it's not just, it's not just that you lose your star player. It's that the 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 crater size gap between the next yeah. guys. So who and there is a rhythm that an offense gets into when you have a number one receiver that's that head and shoulders above everybody. That's who you look for on third and seven and whatnot. You right. know, to make the big plays with him being gone, that's going to be very interesting. And who's going to be looking for him? Quarterback K.J. Jefferson, they live and die by this guy. 67% completion, 2,578 yards, 21-3 to ratio, also tacked on 554 rush yards. He was 38 yards away from being their rushing leader, so this is another team. Does not have a bell cow running back, but has four runners that reached essentially 500 yards. Two of them were just a shade under 500 yards. I'm telling you, man, Like the more I looked into these stats for these non-Big Ten teams – the running back by committee, is this something that's like 
taking over more than I'm giving credit it, or knowledge to. I mean, it's because I, I see it everywhere. It, it does seem. These it does seem like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Arkansas won four of their last five, with that one loss being versus Alabama. KJ Jefferson, their quarterback, I am excited to watch him play a little bit versus this, you know, new face Penn State defense. I mean, again, 2,600 yards, efficient, 21 to 3 touchdown to interception yeah. ratio. He also adds five touchdowns on the ground, 500 yards. It'll be interesting to see. This was this was a good Arkansas team throughout the year. You yeah. remember they pasted Texas. No. That was back when we thought Texas was good. They had big wins throughout the season. This is a, this is a good Arkansas team. Well, they had Not big, big, but just... I mean, the biggest win now, looking on paper right now, is Texas A&M at 25. Correct. And Texas A&M was, okay, no, they're good. You know, they're on the... But, but the at the time, is, is Texas was did, a big win. And people were not expecting anything no. out of Arkansas right. this year. They were good. I think most of it was back to, to K.J. Jefferson. So this isn't, this isn't interesting. Like, at one point, I was very high on Arkansas being a cover even flirted with it with Amador double barrel lock of the week. But but the loss of Burks is is huge. Um, earlier game, which I think could maybe add to a sleepy start to this. So I don't see either one of these teams blowing out the other one. Yeah. But with just so many losses on Penn State's defense being, you know, down this game being played in SEC country, I'm going to lean towards Arkansas. I've got Arkansas 24 Penn State 20, so only a point and a half cover for Arkansas. Don't wind up liking it. And at 44, that's under. If I was – I could see somebody taking the under because of the two biggest wide receivers being out of the game. Yeah. So you could wind up seeing this being – at one point, I could see this being like a 21-17 type of deal. But I just – I'm going to wind up thinking just just like a touchdown more for each team than maybe people think. Okay, so I'm similar but different. In the sense that I think it is going to be a little higher scoring because of so many people out for Penn State. I've got Arkansas 27, Penn State 21, so that's an archie cover. And at 48, that's an over. Wow, going over. But but not by much. Not by much. Yeah, we're pretty close on that one, actually. All right, moving a little bit deeper into New Year's Day, the Citrus Bowl in Orlando, Florida. Shout out to Grandma and Grandpa Greek, my parents. They drove all the way from Iowa all the way down to Orlando. Did they really? Yes, they did. Hey, let me ask you a question. Are they playing in the same field that Iowa State played on? Two days later. That is amazing. They were, there was actually a video of them washing off the Iowa yes. State. And in, in, in I don't know if it's true, but I think Iowa's name is going Iowa is going right in the same Wow. Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah, tough loss. Tough loss for Brock Purdy and Iowa the, State. The, the symbolism there. <laughs> wow. Something to be said about Iowa State being washed away for Iowa. Well, to, but to also... Iowa State, you know, this is your best team ever, but you, you don't quite play after Iowa. You play a couple days before Iowa, and yeah. we're going to just scrub that off the end zone and put the real the real Iowa team on there now that you had your little fun. Did you did you watch the Cheez-It Bowl? No, very little of it. Did you see how it ended? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a... I mean, I got, uh, I got nothing against... I got nothing against uh, Brock Purdy. I'm sure he's a fine young man. Uh, what I, was he doing? Just, but he, but he's he's been such a feast or famine player for Iowa State. For his like, there, if we really are in a in a in a simulation right now, the fact that Brock Purdy's career ended on him getting a big first down and then immediately losing it by fumble and jumping on the football now now short of the first down to gain. Is one of the funniest things. Well, there was that, but I was laughing at him spiking, looking like he was spiking a volleyball. Like, I mean, I see what he was trying to do, but you got to make sure you hit it towards the ground. He looked like he was spiking it over a net. Yeah. That that is the craziest interception I think I've ever seen. (laughs) Um, So he had two ridiculous bad plays. That's what he does. Wow. Yeah. One of my buddies was he had Clemson in the game and he was like, I'm nervous Clemson's going to turn the ball over here to lose the game. And I'm like, well, actually, Purdy's usually the yeah. one that does that. And it was like literally five plays later, and he threw that interception you were talking about. All right, let's reset this. But again, shout out to shout out to my yeah, parents. Yeah, that's right. Back Drove to- all the way down. Uh, let's just say uh, Grandpa Greek, my dad, 
not the type of guy that's going to spend a lot of time in an airport right now. Not 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 his scene. <laughs> I, me and Grandpa Greek, uh, right there with you, buddy. You two are the Spider Man meme yes, with that sir. type of stuff. All right, New Year's Day, the Citrus Bowl, ten and three, number fifteen ranked Iowa Hawkeyes versus the nine and three, number twenty two ranked Kentucky Wildcats. This is a noon game on ABC. Line Kentucky by a field goal over under forty four. And a half. So Vegas is saying 24 to 21 Kentucky. Just over half, 58% of the bets are on the Wildcats. So one of the big storylines is going to be Kentucky head coach Mark Stoops, mm. along with all the other Stoops brothers. He was a Hawkeye, so they're going to play that up quite a bit. Um, shout out to uh, Hawkeye Fett. We're going to, I think we're going to get a bingo board going with the tropes that we believe we'll see. That's going to be one of them. Okay. I think uh, the the a picture of the 1985 Iowa coaching staff that's going to be on there. Wait, There's so, going to be so Hawk Fett's putting something he, out like he's some... going to he's going to put something out like that you can that Hawk fans can play at home. So when they ESPN or ABC, I mean it's the same production. When they go to one of those go to filler things, it's okay. going to be one of those. I'm, I'm very excited to see that. Um, yeah, man, you 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 start. What's your thoughts? Well, here? so good news, I guess for for both teams is there's very few opt outs. We've got Tyler Goodson not playing in this game, but it looks like Tyler Linderbaum is playing in this game. I I have a question for you. How concerned are you that Goodson's not playing? Pretty concerned. Um, this is. I'm glad you asked me that question because because it's it's a big drop off. It's a big drop off. I I'm going to try to articulate this as well as I can. Um, the explosiveness that Tyler Goodson brings to the football team will be very much missed. Um, good receiver out of the backfield. I don't know if it's pass blocking is going to be missed too much okay, in okay, his, okay, okay. the amount of negative plays that he seems to take out of a running back. We figure Tyler Goodson was moving on after okay. this season. Okay. Um, curious to see where he gets drafted. So, the fact that we do get much like the Penn State linebackers that we're talking about, the fact that we do get the, the Williams brothers—they're not brothers—just uh, have the same last name. The fact that we get to see them in a one-two combination, along with Ivory Kelly Martin, who's carried the ball quite a bit, those guys don't take as many negative plays. So we're excited to see less second hmm. and twelves yeah, and so stuff you, like that. So my concern, I believe, Goodson had right around just over 1,100 yards on the season. Gavin Williams at 207. Yeah, Ivory Kelly Martin. 190. Yeah. So big drop off. But if I've always said this, if you're going to lose a person running back is the easiest to replace, I think. I don't think there's any question. Yeah. So I I, I expect, you know, the two of them together to have over 100 yards easily in this game. Boy, if they don't, we're we're uh, well, you're going to be in in a lot of trouble. Um, So pretty hot to the end of the year for Iowa, the big win versus Minnesota pulled it out versus Nebraska. Obviously the big clunker in the second half in the big 10 championship, not exactly sure where the psyche is for Iowa. Um, certainly wanted to win a big 10 championship. I don't know if there's a, a drop off in desire. There's been enough gap. I hope not. I know uh, coach Ferentz and the players are doing, they're saying all the right things. Uh, but the one thing that they're not talking about or saying is who the starting quarterback is going to be. Uh, okay. Spencer Petrus was listed on the original bowl depth chart. But when pressed upon it, none of the players would actually cop out and admit that he was the starter. Hmm. Um, He got bruised in the Big Ten championship. So there was actually a full, I think, like two weeks that went by that he didn't practice at Hmm. all again. So that would have meant Padilla and the now third stringer. Uh, would have Joy Labas would have gotten the one and two reps. So there's a little bit out there. We're not 100% sure what the quarterback rotation is going to be. Interesting. Okay, well, let's talk about the Kentucky Wildcats. They're not without guys missing because wide receiver Josh Ali, 601 yards. He's not going to play. Car accident. Isaiah Epps, same thing, 171 yards. So that's a couple big receivers there. They're uh, missing here. Now, these names should sound a little bit familiar to Big Ten fans. Quarterback Will Levis actually had a solid little year. Very good year. 67% completion, almost 2,600 yards, 23 to 12 ratio, added almost 400 yards on the ground. One day. Nine touchdowns. Nine touchdowns on the ground. Wow. I mean, mean, 32 total touchdowns out of Will Levis. I would not have expected that. He was always a good athlete, and I – think that's what you're seeing here. Kentucky used him They're the using correct him. way. Yeah, right. So, and then Wandale Robinson wow. at the wide receiver position, 1,164 yards and seven 94 touchdowns? catches. 
11, ele- almost 1,200 yards, seven touchdowns. But remember the you, thing he you couldn't re- do, he couldn't do in Lincoln was get in the end zone. And, you know, not to, not to pick on Nebraska fans too much, but when Wandale left, it was, we don't need him. We're, we're moving on to big physical receivers. Well, Kentucky sure used him pretty well. Yeah, they would, um, they would need him if he was gone. And running back Chris Rodriguez, 1,272 yards, eight touchdowns. They've got some playmakers there. So he's actually somewhat of a bell cow for Kentucky. Which, again, we don't. And they, and they got a couple guys after them. Total offense, higher than I thought it was yeah. going to be. 39th in the country, Not 431 bad. yards per game. Total defense, 24th yeah. at 336 yards per game. This is a nine-win team in the SEC. I know I'm, I know I'm – besmirching the SEC quite a bit. You win nine games in the SEC, you're probably a pretty good football team. This Kentucky team is a balanced, it's a good defense. Yeah. It's got a it's well, physical offense. Well coached, too. Absolutely. Mark Stoops has been doing great work. This is a really good Kentucky team I that know. I was playing. And I got to say, like, I was overlooking them. I kind of went into this saying, oh, Iowa should, you know, kind of coast in that game, I think. I don't, I'm not thinking that quite as much yeah. anymore. Okay. But with that being said, I just like Iowa in bowl games. Okay. I like what they do. And I think that's going to be the difference. Iowa has pretty good coaching themselves. Yeah. Iowa has a defense that can go out and win games on their own. I, I still trust the Hawkeyes. So I'm going Iowa 22, Kentucky 16. So easy Iowa cover. And at 38, that's an under. But the Iowa cover is my Amador double barrel lock of the week, baby. Wow, this is pretty interesting podcasting I think we got here. Um, Iowa has been good in Bulls, and and it's hard to separate my Hawktum with that stuff. Um, I thought we would see Iowa pulling stuff out to for offense in the Big Ten Championship. What do you got to lose type of setting? Maybe we kind of saw that in the first drive or two, but then the offense just tailed off. The, the confidence in the offense with the weird quarterback thing we've gotten on is just finally seeped in to my brain. And it just, I don't know, uh, a lot of Iowa fans that didn't travel down to Orlando gave the same reason. I don't want to travel down and watch this offense mm. again, to spend the money to get down to Orlando sure. to watch this offense. Now, that could be fandom. I think that's also just taking a very grown-up approach <laughs> to look at your at your team. So that's what I got here. I also have the score of roughly 24 to 16. Okay. I've got Kentucky okay. winning 24 to 16. And at 40, that's an under. With Kentucky winning the game by that much, that is my Amador double barrel lock of the week. Oh, we have almost the exact same yes. score. Amador double barrel lock of the week, but we have our opponents flip. That's nice on big first. I think that is a first, especially how for how close we were. On the yeah. total score. You had 22 to 16. I had 24 to 16. But how often has your highest confidence game been the opposite of, my, like, been my low, you know? Crazy. We're, we're, and I almost, I thought about ten, uh, I thought about Wake Forest. The, these were the two that I was debating against. So, okay. Was, uh, was Kentucky and Wake Forest. I thought about Wake as well. Yeah. yeah that was probably the other one. Yep. Yeah. Because I could see Penn State. See, and yeah. if I had known what yours was, I probably would have gone with Wake Forest for my double barrel. I'm glad I didn't know that. No, so I'm, now we're going to go head to head. This is great. Speaking of Amador, the Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrel. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip neat or in your favorite bourbon cocktail, Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. Moving on to our last game of the new year. The granddaddy of them all, of course, the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California. The 10-2, number 6-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes against the 10-3, number 11-ranked Utah Utes. This is a 4 o'clock p.m. game on ESPN. Yuck. This should be on ABC. I don't know. Yeah. Just... Doesn't seem right to me. No, it doesn't. You know, I understand ESPN. They paid their money. That, like the 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 Iowa's Bulls on ABC. Why why can't you just why can't you just give the like isn't and I don't know this probably isn't true, but I feel like ESPN and ABC. I mean, they're both owned by Disney, right? Yes. So doesn't all the money go to just put put it on ABC? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Nice uh, line. Buckeyes by four and a half. Over under a robust sixty four. So Vegas is saying something like a thirty four to thirty Buckeyes win. 
don't have the percentage on the bets. Don't know why. Maybe maybe the granddaddy of them all puts a block on that. I'm not sure. Hmm, interesting. But yeah, couldn't find a percentage. All right, so what do we know about the Utah Utes? Well, first of all, have you seen the lids they're wearing? Yes, those look cool. Oh, my the gosh. The whole uniform looks good. <laughs> I'm so excited yeah. about how, how they're going to look in their first ever Rose Bowl appearance. Their defense, hmm, pretty yeah. spicy. Number yeah. one in the Pac-12 in points per game, yards per game, and rush yards per game. They have they have 41 quarterback sacks on the year. Dude. Okay, first off, shout out to my buddy Josh. Okay, I was not able to confirm, listens to the pod um, from Iowa, from my hometown, okay. but he's a he's moved out west. He became a big Utah fan. It's funny because he grew up, probably knew absolutely nothing about any Utah teams, became a Utah fan, and also hates BYU. Like it just once you get the Utah Ute blood in you, yeah. very quickly after that you hate BYU. He's let me in on a little bit of the behind the scenes of Utah BYU BYU fans. That's a that's a bitter rivalry too, my friend. That's the holy war, baby. <laughs> okay, so what else do we know about them? I mean, this is this is one of the hottest teams of the year. Offensive and, line, hold on. Yeah, do you know this? Uh, their offensive line. I just talked about how many sacks their defense had at forty-one. Their offensive line gave up twelve sacks on the season. They got better as the season went on. They had five Pac-12 league games where they gave up zero sacks, four in a row. Now, so you're getting in, you're you're getting in along this stuff, or, or into the same stuff that I wanted to get into. What uh, Utah reminds me of to 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 make up uh, or to bring up a, a painful bowl memory was the 2016 Rose Bowl when Iowa played Stanford. That was one of, if not the hottest team in the country going into that Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. Like, I personally believe, I, I, I know people probably, non-Iowa fans will probably roll their eyes at me. I think that Stanford team would have made damage in the college football playoffs okay. that year. They were that good. Christian McCaffrey's proven to be a pretty good NFL player as well. That's what this Utah team reminds me of, is how hot they got, how okay. statistically dominant they've looked. But... On the other side of that is it's the Pac-12. And the Pac-12, I okay. think almost for sure, is the fifth best Power Five conference. Okay, but we saw what a good Pac-12 defense could do to an Ohio State team earlier in the year. Okay, with with Oregon. Oregon beating Ohio State, yeah. That's a fair point. Now, okay. you know, it's a long time ago. Okay. Teams change um, over the course of a season, but not, we, we've seen what they can do. We've seen that. And the thing that really kind of went into this is Utah started the year with quarterback Charlie Brewer. Got away from him for Cam Rising, and they took off. The, Mr. As, as, Cameron <laughs> Rising. As as Cam Rising took off, so did Utah. Uh, 2,300 yards, 18-5 to 5 touchdown to interception ratio. Another guy with 400 yards and five touchdowns on the ground. Running back Tavion Thomas, 1,000 yards, 20 touchdowns, a 5.6-yard average. Another stat to throw out. Team rushing totals, 28 Hundred yards, oh. five point six yard team average running the wow. ball, and that's factoring in sacks and everything. There, this Utah team was just running through people. I mean that the, Pac-12 champion easily. Oh, they, they were no doubt the right. best. I mean they they and obliterated buried, Oregon buried twice, Oregon. Yeah. twice in the season. And here's what I like about them: their leading receiver is a tight end, baby. Yep. There, there's a lot to like about this Utah. Team. Your friend that moved out to Utah. Yep. I might follow him. I want to be a Ute fan. Well, you got to follow him even further west. He's in Hawaii now. He just keeps moving west. I'm not going that far. <laughs> um, all right, switching up to the Ohio State Buckeyes. We we like you too, Buckeye fans. Sorry. Oh yeah, you guys but, aren't too bad. But um, we got a couple outs that are big. Yeah. Wide receivers Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. What's their totals? The the Ohio State offense just lost. How about 135 total catches? 1,994 yards, six yards short of 2,000 yards, 25 touchdowns that are oh. out the door. Now, here's what's interesting to me. I'm going to use the same juice that I use with Penn State. You ain't winning the Big Ten Championship this year, are you, for Ohio State? You're not winning the National Championship. No. We're building towards 2022. Yeah. I would love to ask the next wide receivers up, which I believe to be Marvin Harrison Jr., Amika Egbuka, Julian Fleming. I mean, aren't you excited to see those guys? And sure. don't you think those guys and their families aren't excited to showcase what they can do as well? I'm 
I'm stoked to watch this. Okay, but how much do you think that hurts them? I mean, they're great. These are great talents, but the timing's going to be different with C.J. Stroud with these new receivers. I, it's not going to be super crisp, I don't think. It's a good point with the timing. So I think what you're getting at here is, again, um, Travion Henderson, by the way, he's healthy. He's going to play. C.J. Stroud, he's healthy. He's going to play. No opt-out, no issues there. But what you're saying is, like, in some, you know, uh, string theory different universe, if you could trade Travion Henderson for Chris Olave. You might do that. Yeah, I think I might do that. Only lose one right receiver. Yeah. Keep a little bit more of that trio around. I'm with you there. But the other side of it is, I think those other receivers, those backups, those quote-unquote backups that I just named, they're all four- and five-star guys. Yes, too. they are. Yeah. There's talent there. They've had some time. I mean, I, I would love to – I honestly, like, I would love to know there because what, what I've heard is the relationship in that wide receiver room be- between all those guys is tight. My guess is these guys, because we just found out about them opting out. I just have this theory that they have been opted out for a while. I think all these younger wide receivers have been getting the reps for weeks. Yeah, I think well, that's, that's fair. That yeah, works. during during the bowl prep, I think that's fair. Okay. So, but you're also missing Nick, Nicholas Petit Freer on the offensive line. Yep. And don't forget about Haskell the Rascal Garrett on defense. That's a big loss. Okay. Now, speaking of defense, here's what I'm asking. That's, I mean, that's. That's by far their best player on defense. I don't you think, think it's, by far. Yeah, I, maybe. I, I, yeah. Ohio State fans can reprimand it's probably me if I'm true. wrong, but I think he was the one that flashed most consistently. And on a defense that wasn't that good. So here's what I'm asking you: just focus on stopping the run. Can you just focus on stopping the I, run? I mean, I don't think you have much of a choice, right? That's I mean, all you got. That's you have, all you can do. That's you have it. got to keep the the uh, Utah rushing attack in front of you. Um, you have athletes on the back seven. I I think the one part of Utah's team that's not fantastic is the outside with their receivers. Yeah. I think you have got to, to, to put a bunch of guys in the box. I think so. Because what the last time we saw Ohio state play, you know, not to bring up bad memories for Buckeye fans, but obviously it was that Michigan game where Michigan was running the ball right at them. So this is, you would hope uh, the beginning of fixing that front seven getting tougher. I don't know. I, I would assume I would hope that the staff put their players through a little bit more tackling drills. I know that sounds old school, but I'm sorry. Going through a drill of getting off a block and tackling still has merit in today's game, so you would hope to see an improvement. Utah's rushing attack is very, very good. I don't think their offensive line and rushing attack is up to Michigan's level good, but you're hitting on the stuff that I wanted to talk about. Like That is what's going to be interesting to see when the when the Rose Bowl kicks off. Okay. You ready? Yeah, go for it. I'm. I'm I actually... Texted my brother that I was excited to see what your prediction was on this game specifically. Okay, so I'm pretty excited to say this, and I feel pretty good about this one. Obviously not my lock, but I am going with the final score of Utah 31, Ohio State 28, and 59, that's an under, and of course, that is a uh, Utah cover there. So we're, are we going to wind up being exact on, except for one game that we have completely reversed? Yes. This is I, great. I mean, this is an interesting. I've got Utah 34. Ohio State 31, so at 65, that is just Ooh. over the over-under. They have got that over-under dialed in. Hope I'm wrong, Buckeye fans. I'm going to be cheering for the Buckeyes. Don't get me wrong. I am concerned about that front seven and just the overall the overall feel of the Buckeyes being in the same without Garrett and those two receivers. Yep. It, it concerns me. All right, that brings us to the big Ten game of the week, which could also be the Big Ten game of the year, the Orange Bowl, better known as the College Football Playoff Semifinal in Miami, Florida, the twelve and one number three ranked Georgia Bulldogs from the SEC versus the twelve and one number two ranked Michigan Wolverines. This is a six thirty p.m. game on ESPN. This will be the second College Football Playoff. Game line Bulldogs by seven and a half over under 44.5. Vegas is saying a 26 to 19 Bulldogs victory. 70% of the bets are on. All right. Okay. So I'm trying to figure out this Georgia team. I want to know what, what is their mental state right now? Because they were dominant, right? This was a like a team for the ages. They were cruising. Finally, this is our up year. It's Bama's down year. 
all the pieces were falling into place. They weren't giving up any points. I think 17 was the most they gave up in the regular season. They had what, three shutouts, I believe. I mean, just lights out defense. And then they go up against that Bama team that's down this year and get absolutely embarrassed. Like, pants pulled down a national TV, buttocks just smacked until they were red. So Dude, where are they mentally right now? I, I, I you can, can make a point that that, that is the question of like you get challenged your confidence is a huge part of any sport college football it's as big a part of it as anything they had they have to have had their confidence struck here okay and now think about this the assumption is bama's going to beat cincinnati so we win this game and our reward is we got to beat that team that we just got yeah. spanked by here's another thing i want to point out it's all all fantastic points here's another we've we both like Tom Fernelli for the most part, right? Uh-huh. Um, something that he said, I don't know, nine, ten weeks into the season on their podcast was, why are we even making Georgia play these extra games? It's obvious they're the best team in the country. The gap between them and the rest of the country, be it Ohio State, be it Alabama, it's so big. If this was the olden days, they would have just won the regular season killed somebody in a bowl, they'd already be national champion. And and he said that, and I'm like, you know, he kind of brings up a point. Then, Heine Spank, Alabama. Yeah. It has completely changed the tenor of it. Now, with that being said, the talent that Georgia has on defense is well, absolutely undeniable. Like, me, you know, you're more of a recruit guy than me, but you can't deny when there is that many four- and five-star guys yeah. on one side of the ball – Coached by Kirby Smart, who knows how to set up a defense. Obviously, he was Bama's defensive coordinator under Saban for all of those years. Like, I know that that Saban picked him apart. Okay, I know no Alabama picked him apart in the SEC championship, but that's that's not what we're going up against with with Michigan. And what I'm saying is, I think there's very few teams in the entire country that can do to Georgia's defense. I think we're gonna have we're gonna get back to Georgia's defense looking quite a bit like it did the first 12 games of the year. I mean, I think so, because what they did is just undeniable. I yeah. mean, I granted, mean, they, they didn't play, you know, super highly ranked teams before Bama, but you just can't, you can't look at what they did and say, well, one game erases all that. Right. right? And, and you can't say, even if, like, there's no doubt in my mind that the SEC from teams, and I've said this on Twitter a thousand times, say it on the pod, the SEC teams three through fourteen, they weren't that good this year. No. Or and let me let me explain that. They're not as good as what ESPN and so many people prop them up to be. It's a good it like it, it's equal to the Big Ten and maybe even the ACC and Big Twelve as far as again, once you get past the elite teams, the rest of the conference. So Georgia feasted on those teams. But we talked about Kentucky. We talked about Arkansas, those are two pretty good teams. They mollywopped both of those teams. Those are good opponents that yeah. they beat down. Right. So th- the talent and things that we've seen on, on the Georgia defense is still there. The stats, they're second in the country, 254 yards per game. Um, mm. Sacks, 14th in the country, just over three sacks a game. Uh, TFL's not quite as high as I thought. I you know I went a little bit deeper in some of these stats. 44th, but they they, they know how to get behind the line of scrimmage. So switching over to the offense. Uh, I don't know if you could call it a quarterback controversy, uh, but Stetson Bennett has been their quarterback all year. At one point, there was a thought process that the transfer from USC JT Daniels, which most people assume is the more talented quarterback would just take over the reins. Um, There was an injury and then I believe he's healthy now, but at some point when you get to be nine and oh, you're not going to make a change at quarterback. So Stetson Bennett has stayed in there 2,300 yards, not a lot, right? He, there wasn't tons of times for him. Just, he just didn't need to throw the ball because they, they stomped people out so much, but a good interception to uh, 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 touchdown interception ratio at 24 to seven, 251 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Running back is another one of those committees, mm-hmm. right? Zamir White, uh, he is the thunder to uh, James Cook's lightning, okay? So they've got a nice one-two combo there. So this is a pretty good offense, 27th in the country, a little bit higher hmm. than I thought yeah. it would be. So it's a it's a pretty good offense, but 
most of the time from the Georgia games that I watched this year, the offense didn't hit till into the second half because they, the other team's defense was just out on the field so much that they just wore them down because they never got anything going against that right. Georgia defense. So like in a world where what we saw in the SEC championship, which is when the Georgia offense had to respond and put points on the board because their defense was getting shredded, it wasn't there. They didn't have an explosive enough offense to make it work. Mm-hmm. Okay, another question I have here. Did Bama expose a weakness that Michigan can exploit? Or will Kirby Smart take that weakness, repair it, and be right back to where they were? But don't you think that weakness was touching up the outside and deeper down the field? Yeah. Does Michigan, because, you know, now we... But but there's talent on the outside. Right. So this is another thing that is interesting. You know, switching to Michigan here. Um, I mean, the stats, we know the Michigan team, right? This is top 10 in the country in total defense, 316 yards per game. By the way, top 20, they're 18th in the offense, in the country in offense. So, so this is, I just found this interesting. So, uh, totaling up the two, right? This is like golf. You want the lower number. Yep. If, so if you had the number one offense and number two defense, it would be a total of two, which would be the best you could get. So, uh, 27th defense and second, or, or second defense and 27th offense for, uh, Georgia for a total of 29. Okay. 18 and 10 Ooh. for a total of 28. No kidding. So this is getting into the Spider-Man meme yeah. that I think we have here of these two teams looking similar. Um, now we need, we need to talk about Daxton Hill. Yeah. Because there's been some chatter there has been about chatter. Daxton Hill. If he's out, that's a that's, that's a, a huge loss absolutely. for Michigan. Absolutely. Like he's... He's I, a five-star recruit that's played like a five-star, a five-star recruit. recruit. And... and I don't know, but from what I can kind of gather, past Aiden Hutchinson, right, past their defensive ends, he is a spark plug for that defense. Then I've kind of started to see just on Twitter today that he's coming in hot. We don't know what's going on. Was it a COVID thing? Was it a legal thing? We got no clue, but it doesn't seem to be injury. Is that fair to say? I think that's fair to say. That's There's the way something I else in- going on. It's the way I interpreted it. Um, by the way, did you see uh, when one of the Alabama players got uh, questioned yes. about testing? He's like, "Man, we haven't tested. We, we don't. We don't get tested. What testing? For and, what? And exactly, nobody questioned it any no, further yeah, no. because it's Nick Saban and it's the marquee SEC team, and ESPN won't. And by the way, he he added that unless they have symptoms, they don't get tested. Which I'm fine with that. Which is exactly what it should be for all four Correct. college football playoff teams. Um, yeah. So I think what you're getting at here is. The Michigan passing attack kept developing throughout the year. No doubt. And so did Cade McNamara. So did the wide receivers. They all kept getting better. The tight ends kept getting better throughout the year. Top to bottom. Whole passing offense. Now, the quarterback that ripped up the Georgia defense won the Heisman. Okay? I loved me some Cade McNamara. We were were on the Cade McNamara train. You know, pat ourselves on the back here. I felt way earlier than most people. Yeah, I think – in fact, I think – there were Michigan fans who were kind of calling I, for yeah, and I wanted me some JJ early on. Don't get me wrong, but then I I switched maybe yeah, switched early. So we like we like Cade, but he's not as good as that Bama. No, or, you know, um, I, I guess what I'm saying is like Bama touching up the Georgia secondary. They made it look a lot yeah. easier than what most teams can do. So and I would have to go with Jamison Williams being superior to any weapon that, that the Michigan Wolverines have at wide receiver. I think that's fair to say yeah. as well. But it's a pretty good quarterback, and there are there is talent. There are, there's definitely talent there. But then then I'm going to get back to some interesting stuff that's just been Michigan. Like, this is why I just got goosebumps. Honestly, God. I, I, I know me and you, we're not exactly happy about the college football playoffs, right? Nope. I'm pretty geeked out to watch this game. Though. Oh, I am too. Okay. I mean, I, 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 I got small kids. I ain't going anywhere, so I'm going to be home anyways. doesn't matter to me that it's on New Year's Eve. This is what I want to do. Big Kurt's having a little party, and we're <laughs> going to be watching football. So I'm going to be dialed into this game. Can I, can I give you something that would be extremely interesting? What happens if Michigan and that amazing offensive line jams it right down Georgia's throat? Okay, I'm glad you brought that up. Do you know why? Little party I'm going to have. A little guy there. No, he's not that little. He's taller than I am. His name's Patrick. You may you may know yep, the guy. Yep. He brought up something 
we were talking about the game. I don't want to give away my score, but we were talking about the game. He's like, he felt really good about Michigan. I'm like, well, what's, what's your reasoning? He said, they were so much more physical than Ohio State. They are probably the most physical team in the country. What if they manhandled Georgia the way that Alabama did? I said, yeah, okay. It's, it's, I mean, me and him both got to the same spot. Manhandle, I don't know if he said manhandle or, or necessarily meant what comes along with the term manhandle. I don't I think bo- they're going to, I don't think anybody's going to manhandle Georgia's front seven. I, I, he might have said manhandle. Okay. okay. We'll, we'll ask Patrick what I'm, but, but just, I don't know the terminology. I just do well. Like, you don't have to have the, the rushing totals that you did versus Ohio State. But can you get 190 yards rushing versus Georgia? I mean, I it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. I, that's not crazy to think. A healthy Hassan Haskins, a healthy Blake Corum. And, right. And then when they, because I believe even Georgia is going to have to bring guys up on the line of scrimmage. That's when Gaddis starts killing you. I mean, we're talking option plays. We're talking uh, thrown to the the running backs out of oh, the he's, backfield. He's like, been dude, very he creative. Dialed in. Yes. And watch stuff. for AJ Henning in this game too. Yeah. Now here's something on the negative. And you think, and if you think I'm looking at this through black and gold colored glasses, let me know. When I when I painfully rewatched the Big Ten championship, and and you know I watched the game live in, in the stadium too, but like. It seemed to me that Michigan wasn't that confident that they could run the ball up the middle versus Iowa, mm-hmm. and they actually got the ball to the outside with some of the you know tricky plays that we're talking about. You know, I love my Hawkeye defense, but if you can't run the ball against the Iowa defense up the middle, I don't think you're going to do it versus Georgia okay. either. I think it's fair to say to me that if Michigan cannot run the ball, they're going to get put in the same slow cooker that everybody else not named Bama did against Georgia this year. So for me believing this will be a good game, I am banking on the fact that Michigan can get the rushing attack going. Okay, so you think it's going to be a good game? Do we? I believe it's going to be a okay. good game. So let me ask you something about me personally. Would you say the football gods like me, dislike me, hate me? They borderline despise you. Yes, okay. Who do you well, think? But you're a dirty Packers fan, and you get you. So you get, you know. But, but you, it's a percentage thing, like college football. Seventy, guys. okay, college, college football, ninety-eight percent hate. <laughs> they they give right. you throw you bone two percent of the time. Okay. Okay. I also think this. If I just look at it on paper, I think really close game could go either way. I don't see the seven and a half point spread. But who do you think I want to win this game? Michigan. Yeah. So that's why I'm going to go Georgia twenty-eight. Michigan 21 okay. for an SEC on SEC championship game because that's exactly what I don't want. But that's a Michigan cover by a half a yes, point, by the way. Okay. And at 49, that is an over. Interesting. I see what you did there. There is definitely a part of me that's like, I I, I throw some shekels at games simply because I just don't care enough about them as a standalone. I could watch this game as a standalone simply because I'll be cheering for Michigan that bad um so in that case i understand what you're saying we're like because you want it to happen so bad kind of like clemson ohio state a couple years ago it seems not to happen but i'm just gonna choose to believe on the the psyche hit that happened with georgia this michigan team i believe is special like patrick said it is very physical the confidence that i'm getting from the big 10 bowl opponents for how good i think the big 10 Front seven and O-lines were absolutely excellent this year, and I think we're going to see it in this game. Very much like the seven and a half points. Not saying I would be super confident to put uh, uh, money on Michigan as a money line bet. I like Michigan as the seven and a half point dog more, but I've got Michigan 23, Georgia 21. So at 44, that's a half a point Mm. under the team total. Okay. Total. Well, yeah. So I was a big time Big Ten hater. I have. We both were. I have four losses for the Big Ten, one win. In this well, and, and and from how we predicted the Bulls to go and what they've gone so far was that the Big Ten would get off to a fast start and then a slow finish. Yeah. We've kind of already seen it before. Um, throw out throw out another one for you if you are a type of person that likes to have a little extra financial fun. The under. In the other college football playoff game, I believe it's at 58. Mm. Uh, 
I, I like the under very, very, very much. I think that's going to be something like a okay. 31 to 13 Alabama win. Okay. Um, Alabama is going to beat them up pretty good. I hope I'm wrong there too. Definitely going to be cheering for Cincinnati. Don't need to put money on that game. I know who I'm cheering for. Yeah. In that one. Yeah. But now, I mean, the one thing I would say with that game is Cincinnati's cornerbacks are elite. We're talking yeah, like, it's true. Like, I could be wrong, but a first and second rounder. I mean, it's on, a, on, at, at cornerback it, or first and third. It's the best do in the country based on all. So if you can take reports. The, the outside away from Alabama, okay, sure. with 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 Jameson, right? Was Jameson uh, Williams? J- Jameson Williams. If you can take him away, or or at least to the point where he's not because Mechie's out. Mechie's out. So if you're not if you're not getting torched by him, okay, Alabama struggled running the ball this year Cincinnati is good against the rush as well so like if they can simple it down that much then you could see a pretty good game out of it because I am not convinced Cincinnati is going to turn the ball like Desmond Ritter is going to have to do a lot all on his own but didn't everything everything I just explained sound like an under to you oh yes absolutely okay but I'm getting excited just about the game I, I I we we can both complain about the system, but be excited for the contest yeah. when they arrive, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? I don't think so, man, other than excited really excited to watch, to watch some football. And we won't talk to you, the listeners, until the year 2022. We won't talk to you guys till next year. Dad joke right there. So, Happy New Year to you, Kurt. Happy New Year to our listeners. Happy New Year to all, and to all a good night. <laughs> Let's get back into Christmas. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Big Kurt. This has been the Eyes of Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.